Be glory, God. We honor you, Lord. Last uh, class, we were talking about um, the churches and revelations. Carl, could you turn the clock around for me? Thank you. And it starts in Revelations 2. And the first church is categorized as the loveless church. So I'm going to continue on with the second, maybe the third, maybe the fourth church. Um, the Lord gave me an awesome revelation last night and this morning. And when I say revelation, I mean some really good insight about these churches. But one in particular before I get to the one that kind of got me sparked on all of it. So the first church, I don't know the name. It was the church of Ephesus. They lost their first love. You bring it down just a little bit, Carl. They lost their first love and God asked them to repent and do the first works. And we learned last time that the first works was um, the works that you engaged in when you first came to Christ. So when we first came to Christ, we were excited. We were, we were pumped and we wanted to tell everybody about our experience. That's a part of the first works. Also a part of the first works were leaving the things that we know we're not, we were not supposed to partake in after coming to Christ. Okay. And also the first works were staying in faith. We were saved by grace through faith. So and staying away from the things that used to have us held bound. A lot of us, who, who all done, who's came to Christ, got delivered from something and then went back into it. That's part of the first work and staying away from those things. Okay. The consequence to this church was that he was going to remove the church, which could have mean the actual building or the people inside the building. And he said he was going to do it quickly. So when people start leaving your life quickly that are godly, it's a good sign you lost your first love. Okay. The reward for overcoming and returning to the first love. They, were, they will receive the ability to eat from the tree of life, which is the word of God, which means it will sustain you in all things. It will nourish you, the word of God. And uh, Jesus is the tree of life. He is eternal life. And then we went over some things about who Jesus was. Uh, mean, Jesus was Yeshua or Yahshua, which is means the Lord or Yahweh is salvation. Christ means anointed or the anointed, the consecrated one, which means holy. Also the uh, anointed or anointing can mean power, but anointed means with power or the all powerful one, which means he had the power first and he's going to end with the power. And then uh, Christ also means Messiah, savior or freedom, giver or liberator to a group of people. And, the, and at the end of it, it said that whom you have sent, this was in the first part of the church of Ephesus, and this is what their reward was, that they would know Jesus Christ. And he was sent out properly on a mission to uh, set at liberty. He was set at liberty to execute God's will. Okay. Y'all excuse me. My nose is running. <laughs> come on up, Kathleen. Come on up, James. Everybody come on up. Get in the light so I can see you. Now just playing. All right. We're going to move on. If you got your Bible, you can go to Revelations 2, 
8 through 11, which this Bible, the King James or New King James, describes it as the persecuted church. Okay, and the reason I'm talking about these churches is because I believe it's a mirror to our life. You can examine yourself off of these churches. Okay, so I want you to start thinking, which church am I? Because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this revelation, I will build my people. So you are a church. So in here, which church are you? I want want you to really think about it as I read some of these things. So I'm going to read Revelations, put it in the New King James, if you don't mind. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all all through it, and then in my notes, I'm going to highlight some things. And uh, we're going to talk about it. All right. This is what it says. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, these things says the first and the last, who was dead. Who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation. And your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has ears to hear. Excuse me, who has an ear? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. All right. This church has some good and has some bad. Excuse me, it has some good. And let's talk about the good that it had. Jesus said, I know your works your tribulations, and your poverty. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, but they are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So when we come to Christ, how many feels like that persecution on your life gets greater? Right? This is what he says. I know your works. So you get into God, you get into Christ, and you start doing things that Jesus would do, right? You may be kind of like naive, but you want to pray for people. You want to give your life totally over. You may not do things the way you used to. You may not go out. You may not hang out with people. You may not fornicate. You may not um, drink. And in that, you're going to suffer persecution. He said, I know your works, which are the works of Christ, your tribulations, which come through doing the works and advancing in God and growing up in God, and poverty. How many people lost everything when they truly gave their life to God? Like, I'm talking about material things. Like, it felt like every, like the rug was pulled from under your house. And everything fell in a, a deep, dark hole. It's interesting here. It's in parentheses, and you saw it up there. It says, but you are rich. Jesus said he knows these things. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews. We can just use that as the religious people of right now. How many religious people have come to you and say, you are not, you're not with God? Basically saying that you are missing, missing it because of what's going on in your life. A lot of times it's family first. They hit you up, boy, I tell you. And then you, that's, that's how God judges. Are you going to stay with him? 
if the people closest to you start persecuting you. Because they got a place in you that God wants to have, but until God has that place, he's going to test that. Say, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews. You know what blasphemy is? Saying something is not the Holy Spirit or something is not God when it is. So when you're moving in God and people are saying that can't be God or you're off and you know you heard it from God. Okay. But are a house, a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of the things you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison in your soul. How many times have you felt like you were just held captive? You could not move. You had ability to do nothing. And you just felt like you just had no, you just couldn't do nothing. A lot of us feel like that. But he's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation for 10 days. So that could be a good sign. Right? If you feel that you are about that you cannot do anything. You feel like you're in a cage, can't make a decision, you can't move. I don't want to say give it 10 days. We say give it three days here because Jesus died and rose again in three days. But it's a good indication. See what happens within 10 days. You'll be tested for 10 days. But then he says, be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. We know that death in here could be just talking about physical death of human life or of your life. What we can look at is in the sense of death to the flesh. Be faithful until the flesh has died. The portion of your life that is ruling you, be faithful to what he has shown you, to those works, to the tribulation, to all that stuff until that part of your life has died. And that will give you the crown of life. All right, so here is his instruction. We are to remain faithful to God in the midst of persecution. How many times have we felt persecution and we wanted to turn our back on what God has told us? Many times. I must not have heard it. I'm getting all this persecution. I must not have heard it, Lord. I could be off. Or you just blatantly like, this ain't worth it. Bump it. You know, you're willing to please man more than you're willing to please God. And that means, uh, faithful means to remain true and sure about your belief in Christ or what he has shown you. The reward to this person is the crown of life. The crown of life is not everlasting life in heaven. Okay, he said to the person that uh, overcomes and even to death, they will receive the crown of life. The crown of life or the, is, an, is a reward that you receive in heaven once you die. You know, there are crowns that you receive when you, when you go to heaven. It's, it's like, I don't know if it's five or seven, but one is like for one who wins souls. I want to have that crown. But I think just coming to this ministry, I don't know why I just got on this, but it says to the one that wins souls. So when we think about that, we think about a person giving their life to Christ, right? Their, their heart, in a sense. But could it truly mean to the people that went over somebody's mindset to Christ? Because y'all get what I'm saying? Because we talk about soul winning, right? And that's getting somebody to basically confess Christ and believe him as Lord and Savior, right? But then what about to the next level, actually getting them to change their mind? Okay. So for this, this is their, this is the second. Okay, so the first reward is the crown of life, which is the reward of everlasting life with blessing for staying true. So we have rewards in heaven. We have blessings in heaven waiting for us. The second is for overcoming temptation 
and staying tr the temptation of rejecting Christ in trials means the, the, <laughs> the reward for overcoming the temptation of rejecting Christ in the, tempt in the trial is that there will be no pain during the second death, which is can be the, uh, the death of the flesh or the natural death, okay? And I like to look at it, the second, the second death. I believe when you give your life to God, if there was just a horrific accident or something was happening, I believe that God is going to take you instantly and you won't feel pain when you die. That's, that's because you remain truthful and you remain uh, sure and faithful. And I believe the worst thing is eternal separation from God. Y'all know how it's felt when you felt like God just wasn't there? When he wasn't, but he really was. Can you imagine it being like that for eternity? There's no hint of his presence, no hint of his voice. So you won't experience a natural death or separation from God. Okay, so that's the second church. So as I, as I started going through all this different stuff, I started taking notes a little better, so you have to bear with me, but... I really started seeing a lot of this stuff in my life through this church, through these churches. And it's building up to the faithful church, which is the Church of Philadelphia, which is the church we want to be. But I want to be a, a bride without spot, wrinkle, blemish. I want to be presented to God faultlessly, perfectly, um, through my works, through the things that he asked me to do, through obedience, and just through faith. Sometimes it can be hard to really stick with God. And it's only hard because we have not allowed the flesh to come under the submission of the spirit. It says the uh, flesh war against the spirit, spirit war against the flesh. And your soul is the mediator between the battle in which you choose sides. But it's only difficult when we make a conscious choice to not follow God. So how many people know what it, what it means kind of to follow God? Or how, to, how, how can you receive from God? You can worship God. We talk about praise and worship here all the time. You can meditate on his word, read his word, and you can pray. You can give all these different ways. If you're not doing that, you're making a conscious effort not to follow God when you're not doing those things and you know to do them. I think everybody in here has been following the Lord for some time, right? All right, let's go to the third church, which is the compromise. This is what it's titled. I'm not saying that's what it says in the Bible, but this is what they titled it as. The compromising church. I'm going to read it as Revelations 2, 12 through 17. And then I'm going to go through my list again. And then when I get to the corrupt, which is the next one, oh, man, it just blew me away. It blew me away because we, we can be corrupt. All right. To the angel of the church of Pergamos. Right. These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. No, it's all good. I'm going to stay right here so you don't got to mess with that. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name. And did not deny my faith even in the days which Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have these few things against you because you have 
They're those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual morality. Thus you have also, thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him whom overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. That's it. Okay. All right. So I like thinking about it like this. Let's talk about what they did good first. All right. So it says, I know your works. So again, Christ is identifying the works that he does in them and where you dwell. So in this church, they were known for doing the works of Christ in a demonic area or in a, in a satanic or basically bad influenced area and where you dwell where Satan's throne is can you imagine makes you want to think about Sodom and Gomorrah right all that madness that was going on and you hold fast my name so they kept his name and did not did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas even when people were being killed for the truth of Christ and for the works of Christ they remained faithful to doing the works and who was killed and made worse waiting to us. But I have a few things against you. Now, here's what he has against them. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stomach block before the children, to eat the things sacrificed to and to commit sexual morality. Here's the thing. We have to separate ourselves in the midst. When we're in a body, right? We have a body here. And there is known, I don't want to say known sin. I don't want to say it like that because you don't isolate people. But what he's saying here, <laughs> you have people that are among you who are practicing the demonic, who are basically in a lifestyle of sexual morality and eating things sacrificed to idols. You can think about that all day. Uh, TV dinners, in a sense, because TV can be an idol in there. They're eating before the TV. But when you have those, he said that they are, this is what he has against them. That people like that are in their midst and they're not being changed. It says the compromising church, right? That's what they're titled. Instead of changing the person, they allow them to be in the midst without having a difference in their life. All right, let's go to this. So the issue that they have is fellowship with false and demonic teaching and doctrine, and they tolerate immorality and idolatry. How many times have we tolerated things that we know are not right because we're afraid to confront it? We can hear somebody gossiping, but, you know, sometimes we just walk away. They say, I'm not going to be involved. When we really say, hey, that's gossip. We shouldn't do that. Fellowship with false teaching and demonic teaching and doctrine. 
and tolerating immorality and idolatry. That's like now um, homosexuality and fornication is kind of like accepted in the church. And no one is bold enough to really kind of call it out. You get what I'm saying? Adultery, people, you know, pastors sleeping with other pastors, wives. That's a normality. Tolerating immorality. This is what he had against them. Their instruction was to repent. We, we learned last time that repenting means to change your way of thinking. In this repenting, they should, through the instruction, <laughs> basically come against or really identify and really try to get people changed. Really try to have people change. How many people saw people truly suffering because they're in sin, but weren't, weren't bold enough to really tell them, you know, kind of help them? Especially in high school. There have been many times. I wish somebody would have told me, Chris, this, this ain't going to lead to life. This ain't going to lead to life. How many times have we sat and watched somebody, in a sense, kill themselves in sin? And haven't stood up for him. We must repent. You can identify yourself. If you're not willing to kind of say what truth is, you should identify yourself and repent. Or we should. I like talking about the rewards. It's going to get better, guys. <laughs> I like talking about the rewards because it's hard talking about the things we do wrong. How to change without being a blessing behind it. Here's the reward in this church. So if we're like this, this, if we're like this, this is what I want people to kind of think. If whether you're the loveless church, you're the persecuted church, you're the compromising church, there's a reward for doing what God asks you to do. And that's what I kind of want us to identify with. If we are not in the right place, get in the right place and watch how God blesses you. This is the reward for repenting, for tolerating immorality and idolatry. Hidden manna. Okay, hidden manna is Jesus. And Carl, could you put up John six thirty one through thirty five? Jesus is the hidden manna. He okay, sorry. John six thirty one. Okay, our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you. Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So you will receive the hidden manna, which is Jesus Christ. And in that hidden manna, you will never hunger and you will never thirst again. All right. This is really cool. How many times have you been satisfied or how many times has your thirst been quenched by food? I, only, I don't even want to say fruit does it, but how many times has bread satisfied your thirst? Let's just say that. It hasn't. It actually makes you more thirsty. You'll never hunger or thirst again. And me and Tori talked about this earlier because in this ministry, we've been talking about if you're hungry, 
It's as if like you're full, right? We talked about it like that. Being full describes, no, I'm correct. Being hunger, hungry. I don't want to say it wrong. I'm not going to go there. We talked about it, but it kind of goes in that line. If we're hungry, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. There we go. So if we're being filled with more hunger, we're going to be hungrier. But it's not the hunger that doesn't satisfy us. It's the hunger that is satisfied through the bread of life, through Jesus Christ. So we'll never hunger and thirst again. And we'll also live forever because Jesus gives life. He is the bread of life. It also represents, this is hidden man, it represents deep revelation of Jesus. And deep revelation signifies no lack or never lacking. If you get a revelation on something from Jesus, it is going to fill the area that has lack. And then the word said, people perish for lack of knowledge. So you won't perish. You will live eternally. You will live everlastingly. All right. The next reward is the white stone. The white stone signifies innocence and absolution from guilt of sin. He said, I will give him a white stone. It, it uh, signifies purity and cleansing. So if you've been compromising, God is going to give you a place to where you never hunk. Think about it like this. When we're unsatisfied, we reach out and try to do other things, right? When we're not satisfied with something, we try to do other stuff. We compromise who we are to fill ourselves. But Jesus says he will fill you with the bread of life. And you won't perish because you will be full and you will have knowledge. And then after you have played on both sides, he'll give you the white stone, which is innocence. Absolution from guilt of sin, purity and cleansing. How many people just know they're forgiven? It's no greater feeling to know that God forgave me for all my mess. He's giving you a white stone. The white stone also signifies privilege. Social privilege, life privilege. It's like he's, I don't want to say, he's put you above the bar. You can expect great things just for favor and grace, not because you've done anything. It also signifies exemption from risk or from the risk of losing your life or his life prematurely. So if you go back on the opposite side of that, if you don't repent, and you stay in the midst of the immoral, you can expect to lose your life early. The natural life. All right, the new name. This is the only thing I got from the new name. When he gives you a new name that signifies priest status, okay? When he, when he gives you, when he dubs you a new name, that gives you the opportunity to enter the Holy of Holies. That's what the priest did. The priest were able to go before the, throne, uh, before the, the Ark of the Covenant, behind the Holy of Holies. And it is a God-given name. And it says that only the person who receives the name will know the name. So I just remember, Carl was with me this time. The Lord started revealing to me. He gave me this name. It was, I was, I was going to be, not that I was going to be, but there's something about King David that signified in my life. God told that to me. Told, I, I didn't hear it from like a prophet or anything like that. I heard it from God first. And I started meditating and really studying David. David was a servant. I think that's how I identified with him, or that's how the Lord spoke to me. But David went from being a servant 
to the king of Israel. David also slayed lions and bears. He also had mighty men around him. He also was like the, the most vicious warrior of the Israelite history, period. So God told me that. Me and Carl went to this business thing in Pooler. And we went and talked. It was cool. And we couldn't leave the place without people. It was almost like they were thronging us, weren't they? Um, but they were, you know, coming to me and Carl. And this lady came to me and she just started prophesying to me. And no joke, she was like, and the Lord says, you're like a King David. And then she just started going through the list of things the Lord already revealed to me. See, only I knew that in a sense because God gave it to me. It wasn't like it was given through another person, but it was confirmed through a person. So he'll give you a new name. And we don't only receive one new name. There are many names that you can get from God. All right, these two, the hidden manna and white stone, would indicate, experience God's will to full capacity. So if we're not in the fellowship of the immoral and eating things sacrificed to idols or just doing these things and we've repented and we really move with God and we allow God to cleanse us, we can expect to live God's life to the fullest. There'll be nothing to hold back from us. Nothing. That's a reward. These two, hidden manna and the white stone, indicates or expresses experiencing God's will to full capacity. Can you imagine what that would be? How many people have dreams or visions of what God has spoken to them about their life? And if you haven't, you should really ask the Lord, what is my life in you, God? But think about that, because you know our little minds can't comprehend all the things of God, and then magnify that by infinite, the little sideways eight, magnified by sideways eight. The hidden man in white stone, experiencing God's will to full capacity. All right, this is the last church I'm going to do for tonight. But yo, this is what shook me up. This, it shook your boy up last night and this morning. I'm going to read this list, but I don't have it on me just yet. But um, let's go to, this is described as the compromising, I'm sorry, the corrupt church. We got some time. Okay. I'm going to read it. It's Revelations 2.18 through 29. And to the angel of the church uh, in Thyatira, or Thyatira, write, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know your works. I know your love. I know your service. I know your faith and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have these few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel to call herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual morality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all churches shall know that I am he who searches the hearts and minds, and I will give to each one according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyteria, as many as do not 
have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have until I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give the power, or I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed into pieces like the potter's vessels. I, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So it took me to the fourth church to write everything I needed to write down and not go back to the Bible. This is what Jesus praised them for. Okay. He praised them for their works. He praised them for the love that they had. He praised them for their service and he praised them for their faith. He praised them for their patience. And he also praised them that their last works, the things they've done most recently, were greater than the things they used to do. Okay, let's just real quick talk about what or see what the works are. So these are what those things mean. Works means a toil or a labor. So whatever toil you're doing in God, whatever labor you're doing in God, he is pleased with. Love can signify charity. Or um, like something, I don't want to say something nice, but being led by spirit to love another person. He sees that thing. Uh, faith means to a, uh, an assurance and fidelity to God. That means not uh, going back and forth, you know, being tossed by the wind. And patience signifies consistency. And service signifies ministering. This is all they had going on in, in the midst of their church. Jesus told them to hold fast to that, which means to remain tightly secured and retain. Okay, that's what their praise was. This is what their issue was. Submitting to the spirit of Jezebel, allowing her to have a position of authority amongst them. The instruction was to hold fast to God's truth and works. All right, so last night, we all hear about the spirit of Jezebel, right? Like Jezebel's spirit. Just like, it's like everybody knows Jezebel's spirit, right? But I didn't. I just hear about it. I didn't really know what it meant. You know what I'm saying? Like I just kind of knew little bits and pieces, but I never really looked, up, looked it up for myself. And I know Jezebel is like uh, a person who tries to dominate authority. So who is Jezebel? Jezebel is a spirit that uses manipulation to, to influence or control people or control people or forms of authority. It despises authority if it is not in a position of authority. The spirit of Jezebel does not have to be a female, although it was that in the Bible. A male can have a spirit of Jezebel. So when I was looking it up last night, I came across this this uh, article, this is when it got good. And I started reading, I said, here are some traits of a Jezebel spirit. I'm just going to read them. Um, and I may read some of the notes attached to them. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, I'm just going to go down. These are traits of a Jezebel. So I, we're identifying with ourselves. Because if we have the spirit of Jezebel in our temple, in the church, God wants it out. And it messed your, messed your bow all the way up. I said, Lord, 
<laughs> Cleanse me today, Jesus. All right. Jezebel refuses to admit, admit guilt or being wrong. It takes credit for everything. It uses people to accomplish its own agenda. It withholds information. It talks in confusion. It volunteers for everything. It lies. And it can lie and it make you know it's a lie but make you think it's true. It ignores people. I, boy, I've done that. Oh, Lord. Felt like somebody was against me. I just, I just ain't going to talk to them. That ain't, that ain't God. Never gives credit or shows gratitude. Criticizes everyone. One upmanship. You ever heard that word? One upmanship? Like you could say, man, we just we just prayed for the sick outside and the and, the, and Jezebel like that ain't nothing. I just, you know, I just yeah. got everybody saved in Papa John's. You, yeah. you know, something like that. That's like a one upmanship. That doesn't mean you can't share an experience when somebody else is sharing an experience. But it makes it when you one up somebody, you're trying to make it seem like what they did was nothing. Sequesters information. Okay. A Jezebel loves to be in control of information. If there is ever a situation where information is important, he or she will push to be first to know it. He seems to know everything about everyone, and where he gets all his information is beyond comprehension, but he can dictate, <laughs> but he, he or she can dictate to you data and details about people's lives and actions in mass quantities. Jezebel uses information, talks insistently, incessantly, it's I-N-C-E-S-S, -S, that's incessantly, right? Jezebel spiritualizes everything. Jezebel is insubordinate. You know, you just ain't want to submit to authority. It's not good. I had a lot of that in the military. It's pushy and domineering. Is clairvoyant. Who all knows what clairvoyant is? Okay, yeah, something like a cycle, but they described it in this as the ability to see or know things not through the Holy Spirit, through another force, which could be the second heaven. And it can be, it can be accurate information, but through a, a deceived mind and for manipulation. Uses the elements of surprise. You know, like what I'm, I wrote some down, but this is just too good. Uh, so seeds of discord, commands attention, is vengeful, attempts to make you look like you are the Jezebel. She, Jezebel <laughs> tries to make you look like Jezebel. Insinuates disapproval. Jezebel knows it all. Jezebel is ambitious. She's uh, he or she is gift giving. Is independent. Is religious and hides. All right, so I want to read all those out, man. On this website, it has an excellent description of those things. So I picked out a few that kind of stood out to me when I started looking. I have 11, and there's more. I just didn't want to take it to 30. Uses people to accomplish its own, will, own agenda. How many times have you manipulated a situation or a person to get the things that you want? If Jezebel is controlling you in, in your church, it gets good because what he gives you is just so awesome. We just, we're identifying ourselves. Withholds information. How many times have you felt somebody kind of dangling something in front of you like, I know this, but I don't know if I'm going to tell you. And then it's kind of like blackmail. Like, if I tell you this, you gotta kind of got to do this for me. 
lies. We've all lied. Spread it, Jezebel. Boom. Right in your face. Not a plan. Um, but we all have lied. But we've lied to manipulate a situation to be more convenient or, or, or more victorious for us. Jezebel ignores people. I had the hardest time. I was married to a Jezebel spirit. Um, or I, at one point in my life, the, she's an awesome woman. I don't want to make it seem like she's a bad person. But what she would do is, if I didn't submit to her way of thinking or what I wanted, I just got straight ignored. And I'm talking about for days. I'm talking about for months on end. It was crazy. I didn't do one thing I was and her I was supposed to do. I didn't talk to her for 30 days. I remember being like 30 days. It wasn't her. It was just a spirit in operation. Jezebel wants to have so much control that if you oppose it, it just ignores you and tries to make you feel isolated from the group. Like it'll even come into a room and acknowledge everybody, but won't acknowledge you. One-upmanship, we already talked about that. Spiritualizes everything. Basically, basically, for faults and wrongdoing, she'll say, oh, it was in God's will. Or he'll say, it, it, that was a part of God's plan. You know, God has a greater plan. And not take ownership of the wrong is insubordinate. They will not submit to authority. They want to be in authority. We talked about clairvoyant, which means, I guess, being a psychic. Or getting access to information and knowledge from any other source outside of the Holy Spirit. Uses the element of surprise. This is really good. Because have you ever felt like you had to answer something right away because it just got dropped in your lap? How many times have we, excuse me, I know, we used to do it to our parents. If we're like playing with our friends, mom, can I spend a night in front of the friend and in front of the parents? <laughs> Man, got babies acting like Jezebel out here. Not just play. Use the element of surprise to get what you want. Sow seeds of discord. That doesn't have to be specifically to the individual that Jezebel is attacking. It can be speaking to other people, trying to get other people to move away from that person. And it's vengeful. I've had a vengeful heart before because I've experienced hurt. And a lot of times the only thing people that have been hurt know how to do is hurt other people. So those are the things that stood out to me, being vengeful. So we identify with those things, okay? So Jesus is saying, hold fast, remain tightly secured, and retain the works, the toil, the labor that you have done, the love, the charity that you have shown, the assurance, the fidelity, staying faithful to Christ, and being consistent in all those things, and continue ministering to those. We're almost done. This is the reward. If we can really not submit to Jezebel, this is what God gives us. If we do not allow Jezebel to have a position of authority in our life, in our soul, in our church, this is what he gives us. He gives us power over the nations. That word power in that verse is authority. And authority means in sense of ability or the ability to act legally. And it also means privilege. And here's some other definitions. Force, capacity. This is what power over the nation. So you have force over the nation, capacity, competency, freedom, mastery. You can be like superhuman. You can have the token of control. You can have delegated influence, jurisdiction, liberty, right, and strength over the nations. 
and I pulled out some of the words out of there and kind of got definitions on them. Competency, this is what it means. The ability to do something successfully or efficiently. The reward of not submitting to Jezebel, you have the ability to do something successfully or efficiently over the nations. Concretely, this means hard, real, and actual thing. That means that authority that you have will be for real. They will know. And I like using this. Tori said that she got this revelation from God two days ago about our presence makes a declaration. So the other time I was in here and Gene took it to the next level, I remember saying true authority is being able to kind of whisper something and, or speak something softly. And if people still do it, you don't have to scream and yell. And then Gene was like, I think right after that, he was like, we could actually show up to a place and not have to say anything and things change. It's almost similar to the revelation Tori got. But what are you declaring by your presence? I want to do like a whole teaching on this joint. Because think about it. Before we come to Christ, the atmosphere I was carrying was a, a revelry. Wherever I was, that's where the party was. That's the atmosphere I carried. Wherever I was, that's where cursing was. The atmosphere of cursing. Wherever I was, uh, adultery, fornication, all that stuff was in the midst. In that, what atmosphere, what presence are you declaring when you go to a place? Now we carry the presence of, well, now we carry the declaration of God's presence, creative miracles, um, love, service to the people, things like that. Power over the nations, authority over the nations. It will be real. You can just show up and they'll feel it. Nations, you know, in the word means people. Magistrate, that means an officer charged with administration of the law. I love that. It's the first one in power. You, you're the top dude or the top gal. Pot, potentate. Potentate. That means a ruler, one who yields, wields great power. And another definition was unconstrained by law. And you know, the scripture says that if you're in the spirit, you are above the law. If you're in the power, you are above the law, but not in a bad sense. Like you're the one creating the law, which is God's word to the people, over the people. And jurisdiction, official power to make legal decisions and judgments. And the scripture that came to my heart was, whatever you bind and loose will be bound and loose. I think that's Matthew 18, 18. That's what God gives you. When you don't submit to the spirit of Jezebel. And we, we got all, the whole list. It's a person that tries or it's a, it's a spirit that tries to manipulate authority. Um, but God can't truthfully, when you think about it, give you authority when you're under the influence of Jezebel. Because the power he gives you over the nations, you're going to give to her or him. And you know what that spirit is going to do? We already know what it's going to do. It's going to isolate people. It's going to manipulate people. It's going to do all these different things. So until we overcome that spirit, we won't receive that reward. But when we overcome that spirit, we will receive power over the nations. Now, when I looked at this, I was examining myself. 
I said, okay, Lord, I can get cleaned up. I can. Because I, I identified in one time or another with some of these things. And maybe the situation hasn't arised to where it came out, but it has arisen before. And I do want to be a person in position in God's kingdom, position of power, position of authority. So I want to get cleaned up. We should all want to get cleaned up. And again, it doesn't have to be in you. It can be in another person, right? And it's not the person, it's the spirit. So when we see the spirit in operation, you just don't yield to it. How do you not yield to a spirit of Jezebel? First, you got to get knowledge because I didn't know. Because if you see what it's doing, all you got to do is not yield to it. But you don't yield to it in love. You don't yield to it in hate. You yield to it in love. So if someone tries to hit you with an element of surprise, boom. All you got to say, hey, I can't make the decision right now. I'll let, I'll let baby stay. <laughs> stay tonight. Man, baby's off the chain. I just think about it. Because they do do stuff like that. Mama, can I stay tonight? And I'm just like, dang. I used to do that to my mom all the time. A little baby Jezebel in operation. That's the first reward. Power over the nations. If Jezebel is not in this house, we're really going to see us. Like there's going to be a, an explosion. An explosion. Because all Jezebel spirits do is come together and create a big Jezebel. But as we purge ourselves of the spirit, or little signs of the spirit, God will really give us power over the nations in a great way that we haven't seen before. All right. All right. The next reward is Jesus said he will give to them what the father gave to them, to him, which is the morning star. And I'm finishing now. This is what the morning star means. After you have overcome Jezebel. You have a dawn of a new day. It would be the dawn of a new life. That's what the morning star means, is dawn. It's like a fresh look on life. You have, a, you have your eyes to be open, to be, have a fresh. I'm telling you, I'm, not, I'm completely opposed to um, divorce. <laughs> Meaning because only only word that... Avoid, divorce is acceptable is through infidelity, right? Um, but after I got divorced, I'm not saying I was happy about the divorce. Man, I had a fresh outlook on life. Your boy, I didn't go to God, though, with the complete opposite. But I was like, man, I could do anything. I'm not under control no more. I just went complete. I went, I went nuts. I was free. I had a new dawn. I had a new day, a new life. And Nah, I'm not going to go there. I had a fresh look, a fresh outlook on life. The morning star signifies beginning of something fresh and new. And then it signifies the opportunity for life untainted, unrestrained, pure, and full of purpose and God's power. And we know that Jesus is the morning star. And Jesus is the giver a new life. I think that's pretty cool because my intent or what I thought was the intent when I first started reading about these churches is I believe it's the next church. It is the next church. No, it's not. But God gave me this cool revelation 
but he allowed me through reading and through meditating, really kind of allowed me to examine myself through all these churches. And my purpose at first was to just give revelation about what he told me about through these churches. But it's allowing me to kind of see things because a lot of times we don't know why we're going through something or why we're facing something or why a spirit is in operation in our life. But God is saying, and he gives instruction clearly in the church and in, in, in revelations on how to overcome these things and what your reward is for overcoming them. So that's like hope. That's hope. And I'm, these aren't like little rewards. Power over the nations. The word power signifies super, like superhuman. That was one of the definitions for it in the Greek. One like something I looked up. I did look up some on dictionary.com, but like when I went to, what is it? When you have to look up the Greek Hebrew, what is that called? Strong's. In that, it describes it as superhuman. God wants to make you beyond what you really are. So I think the last, like next Wednesday, be the last over it all, but there is a great reward for pursuing God and staying faithful to God. I want to keep reiterating that because when he showed this to me, it blew me away. But in the midst of showing me that, now he's showing me all this different stuff about getting cleaned up. And if you can get cleaned up and stay faithful, oh my goodness, there's a place you can go in God that only few experience, that walk the earth. I'm talking about real people, only few. And you don't have to, in a sense, be chosen. It's really about being obedient and staying faithful. All right. That was it. Let me pray. Father, we just love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor. And I just pray, Father, that the word was everything you wanted it to be tonight. And I, I ask that the good words, everything that you intended to come forth, Go on good ground. And on that good ground, it'll yield good fruit. And that anything that was not what you wanted, I ask that you just cast it away into the pit of hell, never to be seen again, erased out of their mental, erased out of their souls. And only that which was edifying to them stays rooted and grounded. I ask that tonight we all examine ourselves and ask the Lord where we should be changed. And if we are to change, Lord, give us instructions on how to change. And when you give us the instruction, Lord, we're asking through your precious Holy Spirit to help us be obedient because we want to receive your rewards here on earth and in heaven. So tonight we thank you, we glorify you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.